All right, thank you guys. What a great team. I got to go to youth camp. It was amazing, and uh, the kids' camps are always uh, fascinating and, and a great time, so make sure you sign up the little ones for uh, kids' camp. So today, um, we, we wanted to put together a different kind of service, so normally we'd be into singing and all that by now, um, but for a couple reasons, we wanted to design something different. First, um, I've been doing this series on Exodus, it turns out, for half of a year now. And so uh, it will officially be the longest series on record by far. Um, and uh, we, we've stopped at Mount Sinai, where the, the law was given, and we've been there for a while. And I wanted to do something. So instead of me just talking about it more, I wanted us to as a family, try to assimilate these, these words into our life. Because if we know about it, that's one thing. How many here know good things to eat? How many know about good foods? You've heard of them. How many know about bad foods? All right. How's the assimilation going? You know, so... That's the whole point. It's one thing to know. It's a completely different thing to do. And none of us do any, any of it perfectly, whether it's our diet or our, our faith or anything. That's not the point. The point is not perfection. But the point is to do something to assimilate this into, into our daily life. And so I wanted to design the service to help us have a series of reflection and meditation. And the idea being, I think last Sunday, did I tell you last Sunday that we need to marinate in these a little bit? Were you here? I think I actually asked permission to poke you with a fork, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken. So if you, and then you let it sit, you let it seep into you. Does this make sense? Otherwise you just rush past it. You, you, you hear it and you go. Um, and so what I'm gonna do is, it's gonna be sort of staccato style, where I'm gonna say something, and then we're going to meditate. We're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to meditate. We're going to try to the best of our ability to bring these into our daily life. Um, as, we, as we have learned, when the law was originally given, the people all agreed to it. It was, uh, it was agreed to. So... I don't think a lot of people that grew up in church really realize that. They think God said it and it was take it or leave it, but they consented. They agreed to it. And that's the first part is when you just open up your heart and your mind to God and you agree to it. Um, you aren't going to execute perfectly the first time you agree, but you say yes to God. So we're just going to kind of start with a, with a family yes to God. We're just going to open up our hearts. So the first meditation or we're going to have today is about, it's a prayer. God lead us. God guide us. Because the whole story of the children of Israel, as I've been saying from the beginning six months ago, it's not the story just of Moses and a bunch of people a long time ago. It's the story of your life. That's when the assimilation begins. When you start to see this, not as Moses' story, but as your story, as my story, going to the promised land. The other day I read um, at Oprah Winfrey, her house, and I think it's Santa Barbara, well, one of her houses, <laughs> is, uh, is called Promised Land. She named it Promised Land. And I, I wonder if, if we could bring her up here and, talk to her if she would, now that she's lived there however long, if she would still think it's the promised land. Because I think what happens is what we realize in life is getting to a certain place is not a physical place. It's not like if I finally make it here, then I will be fulfilled. But it's an in, inward journey. In other words, the, the most important thing that you can think about this is, this is not about God taking you to a place physically, but taking you to a place spiritually or mentally. That's the, the promised land. So we're going to begin with a prayer. God, lead us 
to a place. The Exodus is a journey, and I want to help us think about it not as an external but an internal journey. God, get us to a place. Wouldn't it be great where your mind was free from anxiety and worry and fear? I think a lot of times what happens to a lot of people is they, they try to bolt on faith with a simple prayer. Um, I think faith has been overly simplified in some sense to some people to believing in God. And then if you don't assimilate that, 
it doesn't drive out worry and fear and anxiety. So if it's just a mental idea that you say, yes, I believe that there is a God that exists, that's one thing. But if you know down here that, that God is for you and with you and in you, and th- your, your faith in God can drive out fear, drive out worry, drive out anxiety, then you're taking the journey the way it needs to be taken. I want to read the setup to the giving of the Ten Commandments. And it says this, Then Moses said to the people, you cannot come up Mount Sinai, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. I think there's significance here. It's this like caution tape. The other day, uh, one of the great volunteers at our church called me and said, uh, he, he does uh, d- different things around. He said, one of the trees is down in the back. And I said, oh man, what are we going to do? And so we went back there. I, we got some caution tape, put tape all the way around it so no one gets near it, right? This is, a, this is an area you don't want to be in. I think we need a little more caution tape in our life. Certain things need to be holy again. Certain things need to be marked off. I was reading an article this week, and it was talking about the importance of setting healthy boundaries with your children. And, and it was written by a psychologist, but the thing it all started with is that we have swung in our pendulum. Just think if you agree with this. We've swung in the pendulum from back in the day, um, all the kids' activities revolved around whatever the parents were doing. It really didn't matter what you thought or how you felt or whatever. It was just get in the car, we're going here, or do this, this is what we're doing. And the pendulum has swung so far that now everything seems to revolve around how the kids feel, their emotions. And we've given into that as a society probably because to some degree we can. I know everyone feels like they're stressed out and they have no time, but the reality is we just make time and then there is time to care about their feelings and what they want to do. And so she said the pendulum has swung so far that now it's, well, we got to make sure that they feel okay. And the article went on to say they need, they need boundaries, that it actually makes them healthy. A, a perimeter. Don't go past here. Don't do this. Now, of course, what we know is that children don't love the boundaries at first right? They love them later. And she makes a strong argument for that there's a parallel to the rise of anxiety in our culture. All these kids with all these anxieties and the lack of boundaries, that the boundaries make them feel safe, that they know where they can go, they know where they can't go, and it starts to build structure into their life. And I got to thinking about that. And I thought, you know, that there might be a lot of truth to that, even for adults, that We've gotten to a society where the rule book we've sort of thrown out. Now, let me say something that I think is really important. If you've been around Orchard Grove, you know that I've said this countless times, and I, and I, I still believe it. All of this is not about rules. This is about a relationship with God, first and foremost. It's, church is not about a bunch of rules. It's about building and growing in your relationship with God. I still believe that to my absolute core. This is about your relationship with God. Now, say that as a truth. However, can you have a real relationship with anyone without any rules whatsoever? You can call them rules, you can call them guidelines, you can call them structure, you can call them whatever you want. But if you, let's just say you have a relationship with someone and there are no rules. You can call them understandings. (laughs) At some point to have a relationship, you have to have some sort of system, rules that keep the relationship together. How about we don't do this? How about we do that? How about you don't put your dirty clothes here? How about you call me back within 20 minutes 
How about, and, and they're, you, whatever they are, you work them out for yourselves. How about you come home at this time of night? How about this? How about that? And the rules, and if you're not in a relationship, you don't need any of those rules. But as soon as you're in a relationship, you can call them whatever you want, but they're a common set of understanding. And this is really what this was all about. These rules were to give something to these people, to give them a relationship with God and to actually make them healthy. So the other day, Charlie says to me, Dad, why are you always telling me what to do? <laughs> I mean, she's asking all these questions now. I mean, the questions, they don't stop now. Why are you always telling me what to do? And I thought, am I always telling her what to do? Am I, am I that bad? And um, I didn't really have a good answer. And so I went with the old classic, because I'm your dad. Does anybody remember these? You just get to a point where it's like, I have nothing else except I'm your dad. So this morning she woke up and she said, Dad, you know how you always say that you get to tell me what to do because you're bigger than me? I didn't, it's not exactly like that. But how many of you know this is true? There are things you cannot grasp you can't understand, you can't get a hold of because you're, you just aren't there yet. But what you do is you have to trust that the person leading you or guiding you is taking you, to, as we said, to a good place. And why I wanted to stop and stay here for a while was because I felt like what's happened is in the era, just as in, a, in the cultural area where they talked about, man, it's shifted to, it's kid-centric. One person was asked, what's different about society today? They were in their 90s, and they said, what's different is the kids rule the house. I mean, some of you that are a little older, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you just took orders, and that was it. There was no discussion. And perhaps it was extreme. I don't know all of it, but I can tell you what. Perhaps it's gotten too extreme this way. And perhaps the right thing is that you need this structure and this order so that you can, so that you can have this relationship. Because here's the thing that the psychologist was saying. And I think the same thing that Scripture is saying. If you throw that stuff out, you might not have a relationship to work on. So, one of the things that I said, I'm going to read the first part. And God spoke all these words. They weren't called commandments. They were called words. They were called statements. We've been saying this, right? So think of them, this is a key, everybody look here, dial in for this one. Don't think of them as rules, think of them as statements of reality. Here's a statement of reality. The best thing that you can do with your life is line it up with reality. It's a problem if you don't line yourself up with reality. People worry about them, their rules and like, oh, is God gonna be mad? And it's completely missing the point. One more story, and then we're going to do a song. So the other day, Charlie now knows what it means when you're going to get gas. And to her, the only thing that it means, she knows what a gas station looks like. And if you pull in there, she's going to have to sit there for a certain amount of time. So to her, all it really means that getting gas is boredom. That's all she equates it to. So now she whines. When she sees a gas station come, she starts to whine. Dad, I don't want to get gas. I don't want to get gas. So, she goes, it's so boring. <laughs> and I wanted to say, do you know how boring it is pushing a car six miles to a gas station? She has no concept. She has no concept. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what do we do when we're immature? We have no concept. And so we want this short trig triggered thing. But the, I can't misalign myself against that reality. That's the reality. You keep driving the car and it what? Stops going. That's a reality. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It's now, this is the important thing as we find ourselves at the stone mountain with these stone tablets. They, they are statements of reality. It doesn't matter if you like them or you don't like them. They just are. But as we're going to see, they're always, always for our good. And as Jesus taught so well, the Sabbath... God didn't make you a little person so you could go around obeying his rules like the Sabbath, 
Rather, God made these. He made them as a gift to you. You might think of them, someone told me, gave me this book about the four agreements. Like, here's the things that you agree to. You might think of them as the 10 agreements. Here's the things that I, I have decided to align myself with how the reality itself is structured. And if I go against those, I'm only going to break myself. They're stone. You don't break God's commandments. You break yourself against them. And so the first thing he says after that is he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God brought us here. The other reason that we might think about it is this. It's the goodness of God that even got us here in the first place. And God's taken us to a place that calls the promised land, which is only better. So all of this is centered and focused on the goodness of God.
What a revelation we have this morning. And all these series that we've been doing, particularly Exodus. Life is a journey. Perhaps we would have written that the whole Bible would have been just called a major Exodus because it's about a journey. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, that we're not made for the law, but the law was made for us, a gift to us, that, Lord, we may align with your reality. Thank you, God, Lord, for blessing our lives in this way, Lord God, and for this, the depth of understanding that we get from you, O oh God. Thank you for the word that has been revealed right here. We want to continue in this, O oh God, the Lord, we may abound, may thrive, not just survive, but thrive in you. As we take care of this gift that you gave us, that our lives may be aligned with reality. This is your desire. You're a good God. And we will sing of the goodness of the Lord. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen. My goodness, don't you remember when you went first to school? You went to kindergarten. And in kindergarten, the idea was to push along so that you could get into first grade. And then push along so that you could get into second grade, third grade, and so on, going up and up. And then you went to high school, and this was a great transition in life. And now the pressure is being put on. You must get ahead. You must go up the grades and finally be good enough to get to college. And then when you get to college, you are still going step by step, step by step, up to the great moment in which you're ready to go out into the world. And then when you get out into this famous world, comes the struggle for success in profession or business. And again, there seems to be a ladder before you, something for which you're reaching all the time. And then, suddenly, when you're about 40 or 45 years old, in the middle of life, you wake up one day and say, Huh? I've arrived. And by Jove, I feel pretty much the same as I've always felt. In fact, I'm not so sure that I don't feel a little bit cheated. Because you see, you were fooled. You were always living for somewhere where you aren't. And while, as I said, it is of tremendous use for us to be able to look ahead in this way and to plan, there is no use planning for a future which when you get to it and it becomes a present, you won't be there. You'll be living in some other future which hasn't yet arrived. And so in this way, one is never able actually to inherit and enjoy the fruits of one's action. You can't live at all unless you can live fully now. Part of the gifts that the commandments give to us is the ability to really enjoy life. I think it's the, the complete opposite of how so many people think of and envision what this is all about. But you can think about it in your own family, or I can think about it in mine. I really hopefully have no other motive than giving any rules or guidance to Charlie except I want her to enjoy her life. I want her to feel it to its fullness. Not in a cheap, shallow sense of enjoy. She's got enough ants to give her cake and cookies for a lifetime, but to truly enjoy it. Fulfillment, which is a lot deeper. So I want to read these again, and I want us to sort of digest them, because I think they were, they were originally given for our health and our wholeness. I also, I also think that because much of the church is focused so much on the New Testament, and again, I will just repeat again, I am, I am absolutely about Jesus and how Jesus dealt with these commandments, 100%. But I think what's happened now is we've just glossed over the whole thing and we've missed 
the foundation setting uh, ability that they give, the stability that they give to us. The Apostle Paul said it best. He said the, the law had to get us to a place. The law, if you read in Galatians, is a lot like training wheels. You know, for the, the, Charlie can ride a bike with training wheels now. She can't ride a bike. She can ride a bike with training wheels. That's what she can do. She needs the stability that they provide. When she gets older, we will drop the training wheels, right? Because then she will have mastered it to the point that now she wants to take a curve. You want to lean in a little bit. You want to enjoy the curve. And that's what happens is you get through these and you master them. And then you can let go of them. That's why Jesus could break the Sabbath, because he knew he had mastered them and internalized them. And yet you can do that, but a lot, you can't skip the steps. How many know you can't skip the steps? That's what happened to our culture. We tried to skip the step. Now we really don't even know how to ride the bike anymore. God spoke these words. Have no other gods before me. Meditate on that one. Think about it. As we've been saying, think about why that's good for you. I've been meditating on it. I have several ideas as to why that's good for me. One of the things I noticed about the young adults in our generation, the young adults have what I call option overload. The young adults, um, every, ask anyone that's older, anyone that's in upper management that's hiring people and dealing with this, and they'll say, man, they are not loyal to anything. They'll do a job for five minutes. If they get another one, they're gone. And, you know, grandpa's generation, man, if you got a job at wherever, that's where you died. You got that job. And certainly there's, like a lot of things, you got to find the right reasonable middle. But we would think, well, it's just better. You just keep changing because it's more money and you just keep taking more money and you just keep taking better hours. And that's just, that's just what you do. Anybody ever order a bagel from Einstein's? That's the most stress-inducing experience in my lifetime. They had 79 kinds of bagels, 48 kinds of cream cheese, and then they have all these other toppings. And to me, it's just like, I just want a bagel and cream cheese. Is anybody with me? Like, I, I have anxiety every time I go on there, you know? I, I, don't, I don't need this many options. Now think about this. You say, Chris, that's, it's unrelated. You're just telling stories. But is it, or, or is the anxiety that these young people feel? I mean, I have no judgment on it. I'm just making an observation. But now you can go to 700 different college visits. And after a while, you're always doing this. I wonder if I should have went over there. I wonder if I should have went here. I wonder if I should have. Because you could. Think about this. Because you could, now you wonder if you should. Remember my grandpa's generation? When you were 18, bam. I mean, that's exactly what they did. You were 18 to the day. They kicked you on the rear end and put you on the front porch. And you better find some way to put food in your mouth because we're done feeding you. Like, well, Chris, you're so extreme. I'm not trying to tell you to do that, but I am telling you. This, now, what, is, what are they dealing with? Anxiety. I think there's a connection. There's the fear of missing out. Now, what if, what if you have one God, one plan, one path? It's the one that's in front of you. I'm not saying you can't look to improve your life or look to go over here or there, but the problem is the anxiety that this option overload has produced he said, Chris, but I don't have other gods. I mean, I just have God. Here's where we fool ourselves on this one. Two ways we fool ourselves. The first way we fool ourselves is by not calling something a God doesn't mean it's not a God. So back then they had multiple gods, right? And you had this God and the God and Baal and all these other gods. We don't call ours gods. We just give them the place of God. Jesus certainly updated this for us. He said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you can't serve God and what? Money. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. Or you will, you will love the other and despise this one. You can't have both. So what we do is, first of all, we don't call them gods. And the second thing that we do, we're so clever, is we never put them before God. We put them beside him. See how smart we are? 
Because if we don't call them gods and we don't put them in the religious category, if we're just over here, no, it's just my hobby. No, it's just my job. No, it's just my fantasy football league. For God's sake, get a life. Right? So, no, it's not a God, of course. Well, but is money a God? Or is this? Or The point is, if this is freeing, and I believe that these are the ultimate keys to freedom, real freedom in your life. The funny thing is, and this is the oldest trick in the book, is by offering you freedom, more chances, more choices, more options, what has it done to a generation? Has it set them free? Au contraire, it's made them full of anxiety. They're constantly worried about what they're missing out on. Just try inviting a 22-year-old to an event. You will get a solid maybe. What does that mean? I'll put you down as one of my multiple options. And as the day gets closer, I will let you know how you rank in my system. Oh, baby, I am telling the truth if I've ever told it on Sunday. It's just, I'm going to look it out. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, baby, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and what, what, what the thinking is, is like, that, that's good, because now, I'm, now I'm, I'm free. I can do this or I can do that. But what is it doing internally? I mean, the amount of data about the anxiety that these young people who are f- facing with mountains of opportunity, ridiculous uh, 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 things in front of them, it's unthinkable. It's as if they need this stop at the mountain again to reorient their lives. I'll read one more. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Again, a lot of Christians just, once Jesus came, they just kicked the whole thing out and said, well, of course Jesus did. No, 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 no. He didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's something about Sabbath. There's something about stopping, remembering, reflecting. You, you remember the original intent was that God rested and so we should rest. And it, we should probably think about the fact that God rested and that there's a reflection time. Really anybody that's in, into any kind of health, mental or otherwise, would tell you the importance of having some rhythm to your life with some rest or reflection built in. But that's not how our society works anymore. Our society is full go all the time. Anybody remember, you you gotta be a little older like me, anybody remember when the TV used to go off and they played the God, whatever they played, God bless America, and then it got all grainy? Anybody remember these days? You gotta be old. Now you just sat there, now what am I gonna do? Go to bed. Go to bed, that's what you should do, go to bed. But you don't do that anymore. It just pushes past your boundaries, right? You wake up at 1.30 in the morning, just flick it on. What's there? What's there? What's there? It's always encroaching, and there's, there's no boundaries. There's, there, there's no yellow tape anymore. There's no, this is sacred. Something special could happen here. And so I feel like what's happening in our society is I feel like we're dizzy. That's what I feel like. Like, we aren't oriented. You know what happens when you're dizzy? Like, I love youth camp because I used to be a youth pastor and I, we used to have some fun. And one of the games that I, we always did because I love your kids so much is I would put their head on a baseball bat. You ever seen this one? And you spin them around like 10 times like this and then they have to run in a straight line and watch them fall into each other. This is what our society is doing. We've been spinning around too much. We went the other day, we went to Michigan Adventure and uh, on our way to the camp. So we thought we would take Charlie just for a couple hours to the Michigan Adventure. And, you know, mom and I had a deal like we would trade off, like taking her on the rides, you know, because it's usually she's the size where it's usually a parent goes with. And so we trade off. And I started to notice a pattern like halfway through the day. All the spinny rides dad got. <laughs> all the up and down rides mom got. Well, that's convenient. Is anybody my age where you can't do it anymore? I can do a lot, but don't spin me around, man. Don't spin me. 
I was thinking about how much I love my daughter. I was like ready to throw up my lunch. We're spinning. We, don't, we won't even slow down to read what the rules are again. And that's the brilliance of it. Just get them spinning so fast that they don't even ask questions about what the heck is going on. What is reality? Shove God, church, commandments, reality, shove it as far away from their consciousness as you can. Spin them and give them more elephant ears. Think about that. Think about the last commandment. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Probably our society pretty much lives and operates in violation of the 10th commandment. It, it literally, if you ask an economist, they would tell you that's what fuels our society. That's the engine, that, that's, the, that's the gas that makes us go. That's pretty much it. just keep luring us to wanting something else. And the way we want things is we want the things that other people have. How do you get out of this dizzying spell? You got to put some hard markers down. You just have to. You got to dig them in and call it a commandment a non-negotiable. Reorient yourself. Again, even if you don't hit the target perfectly, that's not the, that's not the point. Anybody ever done this? Has anybody ever tried to go on a diet, you screwed it up by day four, right? And then you just said, screw the whole thing. Give me a pack of ho-hos. No, come on. I mean, no, get, get, and then you, instead of eating like one ho-ho and getting on, you ate 16. You don't have to put your hand up, but I know you're there. Because this, this is what we do. Now, this is a really important actually concept is that we think, well, because I don't do it perfectly, and I think that's what's happened in the secular world, is they just, in, instead of saying, I still need this ideal in my life, I, I, I'm not going to do it perfectly, so therefore I'm not even going to acknowledge that it's there. That's a mistake. I mean, have a cheat day. Have a bad week. And then get back to the mountain. And then get back there. Put the structure back in your life. What, in whatever form that is. God takes us and our mistakes and our brokenness. That's, and you and I are this constant work of art. And I make so many mistakes and you make so many mistakes. But you just got to keep coming back to that mountain. Say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm your work of art. Please do your work in me. I know that some of us have moments of insecurity and we feel inadequate. Maybe for some we feel deep pain and we don't feel like we're gonna make it another day. I'm thankful for the reminder of Isaiah 61. It says that he gives us beauty from ashes. He gives us joy after our mourning. I don't know what it is you're going through. We've come to let you know through our worship, he makes beautiful things out of us.
my fascination with all of this has something to do with my belief that this stuff is so old. And in our modern society, let's be honest, I think the cool thing to do is to just snub your nose at it and go, oh, God, that's so passe. And yet it's endured so much time I think my fascination with it is to try to find how it is that this old covenant addresses the needs in our world today. And the more that I meditate on it, the more I think it is so. Let's take, for instance, the evil that's in our world. And usually if you're with some people and the conversation goes somewhere past the weather and the lions, it gets into the problems in our world. You know, what's wrong today? What in the world's going on? You know, those kinds of conversations. And I think if you're in any way sort of open or honest about it, there's some problems out there, big ones. And you might call that evil at its core. There's evil things happening, mean people doing really mean things to others. This week, some friends took me to see Sound of Freedom about trafficking of children. That's, that's a movie you won't recover from quickly. And in some ways might be the worst kind of evil. You should all see it, The Sound of Freedom. But as you get to the the New Testament, you you read things like this just for thought. Because if you're going to fix the problems in our world, you got to get to the root. You have to get to the root. Otherwise, you're just just band-aiding symptoms. And I feel like that's constantly what we do. We always band-aid the symptoms. I remember when I broke my ribs and I was in the hospital. And uh, I, I realized that they don't do anything for broken ribs. They don't do anything. I mean, just... Give me a broken rib pill or something just to make me feel good, a little sugar pill. It's, they, they, they just, they don't do anything. You just, you're just in pain. You got to get to the root. What's the root? It's an interesting verse. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is the root 
doesn't say if you have money, it's the root. It doesn't say if someone gave you a bunch of money, if you inherited or if you worked hard. It doesn't say that. But it says the love. It's sort of like this insatiating desire, which to me is tied to the first commandment and it's also tied to the 10th commandment. But when that desire takes over people, all kinds of evil things happen. So it doesn't say that that, that love, that overcoming desire is the, is the cause of all kinds of evil, but a lot of it can be traced. In other words, here's a simple thing. If, if you're really good in your profession, if you're in the medical, you, you're, you're tracing back to root. You got to get back to the root. Otherwise, you're just dispensing drugs. What's the root? What's really driving this? Well, we got our priorities out of line. So somehow if we got back to the, back to the mountain and we had the sense of awe and we had the, we had the tape around there and there was a, a sense that this was sacred and it shouldn't be tampered with and we should constantly look ourselves in the mirror and go, am I breaking this commandment? Am I, am I? That's why I wanted everybody here to write them down and personalize them. Force yourself to not just give yourself a pass. Check, check, check. I, I, I think I did these in third grade. But actually say this, to what degree? To what degree do I violate the first commandment? I was meditating it more this week and I thought, you know, what it is is the secular world, they, they violate the first commandment, having another God before them. But in the church world, we just violate the second commandment, make an idol. Right? We have God first, but we idolize what God is like to our own liking, right? Because if you have God first, but you can make God how you want him, anybody with me? I can make God how I want him, like Barney Fife, like Santa Claus. Everybody has a different view of God. I'll just make God the way that I like him so that he just kind of pats me on the back and whatever I do. The root cause of evil in our world, what I'm saying is perhaps it could be fixed at the mountain here. If we all got back to some very basic things, what about the anxiety in our hearts? Again, go back. Bring everyone back to the mountain. What if... There were no other gods before him. What if we really honored the Sabbath and kept it holy? What if we really lived our lives free of the state of constant want and coveting? What if we didn't steal? What if all of these things? And then you think about the peace, not only that we would have in our world, but the peace that we would have where? Here. So here's the close. They started this tradition where in the Jewish world, what they would do is once a year, they would celebrate the giving of the law. They would remember, they would read the story of Moses giving the law as a reminder to themselves to keep it. I think that's a great thing. It was called Shavuot, and it was 50 days after the Passover. And in the church world, it was called the day of Pentecost. But it was, we're going to remember God giving us the law. And then we're going to recommit ourselves. But the tradition was that they kind of fell asleep when the law was given. Um, as you know, they didn't even wait till Moses got off of the mountain before they were breaking the commandments, making a golden calf. It didn't take long. How many know it doesn't take as long? That's why you need the reminders. Don't beat yourself up for, for screwing up on your diet or your exercise or your faith. Don't beat yourself up. Just get back on track. Just get back on track. That's why you need these constant reminders. I gotta be reminded. That's why you have Sabbath. I gotta remember. I got to. We tend to wander. We tend to drift. That's human nature. From any good program that you're on. So you have this reminder. So what they would do, once a year, they would have a 24-hour vigil. They turned the Shavuot into a 24-hour thing because they, the tradition was they fell asleep and they said, we're never going to fall asleep again. So if you grew up in, in a Jewish home back, way, way back in the day, you would, 24 hours, you would come to the synagogue, you would spend 24 hours reading scripture. Now, some of you who know my story, you know, like, 
I was a little quirky when I was a kid. My wife goes, you were really quirky. But I, I think maybe I've told part of the story before. I, I remember the church that I, I went to as a kid, they, they would have like a 24-hour, or I think they called it an all-night prayer. So it wasn't even 24 hours. It was just 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning or something. And I remember going there, you know, and uh, there were no teenagers there. There were no hot chicks. Uh, it was 75 plus. Is anybody with me? And I just walk in there with my letterman's jacket on. I go, what do you do? What do you do at a, what do you do at an all night prayer meeting? Turns out they're boring. Is anybody with me? Huh? There are no lights. You know, they didn't have a lighting person. Ooh, watch this one. All night you pray. It does something to you. What in the world do you do all night? I read scripture. Someone would pray. Someone would read scripture. Someone would, I mean, could you imagine if I announced one? Me and my lonely self here. No, honest to God, right? Could you imagine today? But I went in and I... So it turns out you, you got to do a lot of stuff to fill those time blocks. Do you know what's the longest... Do you know what's the longest... Uh, Psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119. You know, the best scholarship I've ever read on Psalm 119 is this. It was originally created, Psalm 119 was originally created to be used in that all-night vigil. And this is the theme of Psalm 119. God, your law is good. God, remind me to keep it. God, open my eyes to see it. God, keep reminding me. And it's just over and over and over and over and over again. Your law is good. Your law is good. It's guiding me on good paths. It, it leads me in paths of righteousness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It goes on and on and on again. So I'm going to read a couple for you. We'll read them together. Ready? Say it together. Ready? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. So you'd be, we'd be together, we'd be all night long, and everybody would be saying that. God, open my eyes again. My eyes have been closed, so open them so I can see the wonderful things in your law. Let's do another one. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, so I won't get off the path. I got to put it in my heart. Let's do another one. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your command. Understanding. Like, what, like when Charlie gets a command, her thing is minimal compliance. Does anybody else have kids? Minimal compliance? And that's it. Most Christians I know, honestly, they literally come to me as a pastor like, well, what's the minimum? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? It's like someone that's out of shape and come to you like, well, well, how out of shape can I still be and you'd be happy with me? It's nothing to do with it. How in shape do you want to be? Either God is good or he's not good. Either he's taking you to a good place or he's not taking you to a good place. You don't want to know the minimum. You want to know the maximum. You want to be, God, give me understanding so I can dive all in. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long.
Well, the, the, uh, the goal is, you know, we kept you seated is to, is to think about it, to meditate. That perhaps this pause at Mount Sinai, it's, it's needed to be long. So we can, we can marinate in this, meditate on it. Without being dramatic, I, I have concerns about our society. I think we're too smart for our own good. And I understand that church isn't always exciting. I understand that kids are going to ask you to do other things. And I also understand that religion has gotten wacko at times. I, I get that. I get it. I hear it. Believe me, I hear those stories all the time. Over the top religion and, you know, why did I have to do this? And I grew up in a church and they made me do that. I, I get it. But to throw the baby out with that bathwater, my friends, that's the... I mean, Jesus just knew how to do it. He just took all the bathwater, he just emptied it out and he just cradled that baby faith in God, your foundation. Some of you are thinking about whether or not you have your kids involved, and I'm just telling you, you should. Put something solid underneath them in a world that's adrift. And then they'll figure out how to interpret it. They'll figure out how to personalize it. They'll figure the Jesus way, absolutely. And you embrace it as they grow older and they learn how to interpret it. You, you embrace it too. But you can't skip the steps, man. You got to put the training wheels down first. You can't skip the steps. So we're going to meditate. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. gave all of our team, just as a aside, we gave all of our team the Sunday off so that our, our musicians could meditate and have a Sunday off in the summer. I want to thank Jeff and Dave for being here for us today. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Our loving God, we just pause before you at the foot of the mountain. Return to us a sense of the holy and the sacred. Return to us a sense of awe. At the sense of reality. That these are just not your ideas or your needs. But this is your invitation to us. To structure our lives according to reality itself. And in that to find freedom and fulfillment and life, or as Jesus called it, the abundant life. God, we open our hearts, we open our minds to you today. As we meditate on you and on your word, Christ, the living word, fill our hearts again. And as a family, we recommit ourselves today to you. We recommit ourselves to you, Christ your word in your name amen 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 happy sunday orchard grove god bless you